Let us go before God and pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come this morning to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for our last night lying down in our early ride this morning. God, we thank you, O oh God, because when we got up this morning, God, we were able, O oh God, to move under the power of our limbs according to your glory, and God, not by the aid of another human. And for this cause, we want to say thank you. And we want to say thank you, God, for what took place during this time of the year over 4,000 years ago. We thank you for your dear son, Jesus, died for, dying for us, that we may have the right back to the life, O oh God, and life eternal. And now, God, I ask you, Lord, to look upon your servant this morning. I ask you, Lord, God, that you move me out of self. You take control, God, because it's not about me, it's not about us. But, God, it's about your dear son, Jesus, and what he's done on the cross. Oh, God, and we want to say thank you, God. I ask you, God, that you bless these, your people, God, and you be magnified, you be lifted up and glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I would like for you to turn with me to the 12th chapter of... Romans. Amen. Uh, I know we probably thought that was looking for a traditional Easter Sunday morning service. And I searched and I searched and I asked God, God, where, what did you want me to say on this morning? And God took me to some scriptures and showed me that he never did mandate us to remember or preach about his death, burial, resurrection. When he said, the only thing he said for the, for the disciples to memorialize was what the woman with the alabaster box done, and that's when she anointed his body with the ointment, amen? And he told them, said, now wherever this gospel is preached in the world, remember, I want you to memorialize what she done, not me. Not him. Amen? So, and God took me to the book of Romans, the 12th chapter of Romans. And I would talk to you for a few moments on a subject, God's mandate. God's mandate. Amen? And... When I looked at that, I thought about the way or the leading of God when he led his people out of bondage. Amen? He led his people out of bondage. And oftentimes he would tell his people, I am the Lord thy God. I am your God and ye are my people. He often tells them that you will serve no other than me because he's a jealous God. Amen? But yet, when I look at the condition of the church, now I'm not talking about this building. Amen? I'm not talking about this building because this building is just a building where we gather to give him glory. Amen? So now, I'm talking about the body of Christ. 
human beings, you, me, others, okay? We are the body of Christ. So when I look at the tradition or the condition of the body of Christ today, the church is not allowing God to be God of their life. And the reason being is that the church or the body of Christ have a very infectious disease called the lust of the world. And when I said that, it's true. All you have to do is look around you and you would see where the church or the body of Christ is now fashioning themselves after the world. The world do all kind of crazy dances on the, on the club floor through the weekend and now they're allowing it to come into the church. But God said in his word, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I change not. So if God is not changing, then why are we changing? So I want to talk to you about God's mandate. And in the 12th chapter of Romans, you will find a man by the name of Apostle Paul. Amen? Paul made a plea to the people of Rome. This took place when Paul was yet in Corinth, and he was making connection with the people of the church of Rome. Amen? And he made a plea to the people for them to present themselves. Now, this presentation did not just don't did not come from us coming to God like we did this morning. You know, we just came into the house of God this morning. and uh, But we, it's just not a coming to God. And it must be done in a specific manner. And here Paul is telling us by the authority of the Holy Ghost how we ought to come to God. Amen. Now, the word mandate, in case some of you don't know what the word mandate means, it means it is an authoritative command. It's an order. All right? It's a formal order from a superior one or court to an inferior one. Here Paul is trying to show us, as the people of God, that God here is the inferior or the superior one. And we, his people, we are inferior. The reason for that is that because we cannot do or accomplish anything in this life without the help of the Almighty God. Amen? So we see here Paul in the uh, uh, very first verse, Paul is telling us how we must come to God. Now, I know a lot of us, we think that we got to come to God in all kind of sophisticated way and all this. But the way, look at, let's look at presentation. Presentation is giving of something. Okay? Giving of something to someone else. We came in here this morning, we are supposed to give 
honor and glory to God. But yet, when we come into the house of God, for some reason, we don't want to praise God. We feel that we can just come into the house of God and just sit down, do nothing, go home. But God desires us to praise Him. And when we come into the house of God on Sunday morning, we come to present ourselves. So if you come to present yourself to God, then there's something that we must do to to make that presentation official. Uh Uh-huh. Don't get quiet on me, y'all. You can talk back to me. Amen? So, giving of something. Where is, what is the the perfect, the very perfect presentation. God tells us in Psalms 100, could you put that up on the board for me, please? Psalms 100, it's letting us know how we ought to come to God. And it starts at the very first verse, and it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye land. Now, when it talked about all ye land, it's not talking about the ground, the trees, and all that out there. It's talking about you, his people. When we come to God, we are supposed to come to God lifting up holy hands, singing praises unto God. Amen? But for some reason, we don't want to give God glory. You're going to tell me, God gave, woke you up this morning. God took care of us all week long. He took us through some things that could have taken us out of this world. But yet, when we come to the house of God, we don't want to lift up holy hands. We don't want to sing. We don't want to do anything. We just want to hear the word and go back home. Mm. I can't do that. Because just a few months ago, back in... January, I can't forget it, y'all. That how God protected me. Personal testimony. I was in, was coming out of quarantine on the 23rd of, of January, and all of a sudden, later on that night, I told my wife, I said, honey, I can't breathe. She called the ambulance, couldn't get the ambulance. She called the police station, they couldn't even get the ambulance to come out. Finally, she got me into the car, going down the highway, taking me to the hospital, and somebody called her. And they said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Stay wherever you are. We'll be there in a few moments. When those people got there, my uh, 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 oxygen level was so low until they had to work on me in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. When I got to the hospital, I kept, couldn't breathe. I'm laying up in a bed, can't breathe, and all I could hear people around me after they put the oxygen on me, uh, uh, all I could hear is people saying, Mr. Smalls, inhale through your mouth and exhale through your nose. I was on my way out of here, but God saw fit. To let me stay a little bit longer. And you're going to tell me when I come into the house of God, I'm going to sit on my seat like a bump on a log and do nothing. I can't because God has saved my life. Mm. 
I know, I know. You say, well, what, what, what about the doctors and, and what about the nurses? What did they do? They did a great job. But it was because of the love and the glory and the mercies of God that I'm still here. And when you think about what God has done for you in your life, you have to be lifting up holy hands. You have to be singing praises unto God. Amen? It says, serve the Lord with what? Gladness. We are supposed to be glad to come into the house of God. It's just not something to do on Sunday morning. Like some folks, you know, think that coming to church on Sunday morning, well, you know, it's just something to do, so I just take my time and get there. I get there a little bit late, well, so be it. But guess what? We should be want to be the first one in the door. Why? Because of what God has done for us. Not only what God has done for us this week or last week or whatever, Look at what he done for us over 4,000 years ago. Did anyone in here give our son to die for the, for the other? I don't think so. And if anyone would come right now and say, I need you to give your son. You don't have but that one son. I need you to give your son so that my son can live. I don't think you'll do it. But God loved us so. So he gave his son to die for us. So we should serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Now watch this. Remember what I just said about a presentation and to present yourself? Look at what he said in the latter part of verse 2 of Psalms 100. It said what? Come before his what? Come on, y'all can talk to me. Come before his what? Come before his presence. So when you come before the presence of God, you are presenting yourself to him. Now, that presentation, y'all, is not, you can't just, you, you can't, you can't dress. And I'm going to show you that a little bit later. Come before his presence with thinking, with, with singing. So you're supposed to sing. When the choir gets up, before you, ain't nothing wrong with you standing and singing with the choir and clapping with the choir. It ain't nothing uh, wrong with you getting happy in the Lord. Why? When you think of the goodness of God and all that He does for you, something in here should be getting happy. God comes into our choir rehearsal on Saturday and we leave out this place and there will be a dry eye in the house. And that's choir rehearsal. So if we got, if we Cry and, and, and praise God in choir rehearsal. Why can't we sing and praise God in a service? Mmm. Mmm. Verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is what? He is God. Not us. Not us. He is God. It is He that has what? Made us. He made us. And not we ourselves. Ain't nothing about Earl made us. Alright? Nothing about Earl made Earl. It's all because of God. Alright? We are His people. And the what? Sheep of His pasture. We are the sheep of His pasture. So if we are the sheep of His pasture, that means that He is the shepherd, we are the flock. So guess what? We are to take heed to His voice. 
Because he said in his word that his sheep knows his voice. So when God speaks to us, we are to move because what? Our shepherd is speaking. Oh, I know, I know. I, I don't want you to get quiet on me, but, 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 but here is something we need to know. Okay? Then now watch this. Watch this. It tells us how to come to God. In a very specific manner, specific manner, enter into his gate, not Earl gate, not Brother Glenn's gate, enter into his gate with what? Thanksgiving. So when you come to the house of God, you're supposed to come in the house of God thanking God. And I'm going to give you an illustration here in a few minutes. And she went, And into his court with praise, be thankful unto him, and what? Bless his name. And here's a good example. Back during the biblical time, when they, after they put up their, their tent, they had an inner court and an outer court. This church, those doors represent the inner court and outer court. When you come into that first set of white doors back there, you should be thanking God. By the time you get to your seat, you should be busting out in praise. I don't care who said you shouldn't. Why? When you think of the goodness of the Lord and all he's done for you, you should be busting loose with praise. When we come before God, we must present ourselves in a what? Holy state of mind. Now let me show you something, y'all. That holy state of mind. You see how I'm dressed, right? My clothes don't have nothing to do with my holiness. Stop this foolishness thinking that you could dress holy. And I know I'm going to make somebody in TV land mad now. Because, watch this, we go to our organization, and our organization says, I want the man to dress in a certain color suit every Sunday. I want all of the women to dress in a dress long to the ankle and put a little table corset on your head. That is not holiness. Okay? Because that right there is not even your covering. The Bible said for a woman that your what your hair is your glory and your covering. And the only reason you have to cover your covering is when you kneel before God to pray. And why is that? Because of the fact if you go before God without your head covered. I'm talking about head covered. All right? You dishonor your husband. Now, if you don't believe me, go to the Bible and find out. And it will tell you. All right? So don't let nobody make you feel bad because you are in the clothes that you are in. Because guess what? A lot of them dress down, right? Got their little table kosher, a heart just as hard as stone. And say, oh, I'm holy. Yeah, you might be holy. You probably is holy. All right? The type of holy that God don't want. 
Amen? And I had to say that because it, oh God, it just, it's just a part. It makes me, it's your holiness. It's not the way we dress. It is a state of mind. Alright? God did not call us, alright, to be smart. Like some of us, we think we're so smart, we think we are God. And I'm going to say something in a minute, and I'm going to talk about myself. Alright? God called us to be holy, not smart. God had never, 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 okay, mandated us to, or the believer, to become super Christians. And we got so many super Christians in this world. Super Christians, they're so super till dust don't want to touch them. And they're going to bust hell wide open. Yes, I said that. Amen? So, God never did called us to be super Christian. All God wants from us, y'all, is for us to love Him and what? Believe Him and obey Him. And if we love God enough to obey Him, He's going to do the rest. Why? Because God used us to get the glory for Himself. And He already said, He will not share His glory with another. So, Those of us that think that we are so glorious, you need to check yourself. Because you might be stepping in the wrong land. Check yourself. Learn how to be humble. Alright? And give everything to God. Alright? Now, God has never once... Have He... Never once have He said to us... That we must become sophisticated mm. with a college degree. Now I'm talking about myself because even me myself, I have a bachelor's degree in biblical theology. But guess what, y'all? I found out something through the years. That bachelor's degree that I possess, right, don't help me near bit when it comes to dealing with God. Because if it's not God, if I don't yield myself or present myself to God so that the Spirit of God could deal with my spirit, I'd never be able to get up here and preach His Word. Now, if you went to school and you think that you could preach God's Word and you got up there and preached God's Word, then guess what? Something wrong. Because of the fact God ain't in it, you in it. Alright? And, and, and this is one thing that I found out by just going from one church to the other, just visiting people, right? I've seen people with chevrons on their sleeve robe from here to here. And guess what? The church got Ichabod rolled all over it. They call themselves preaching. They're supposed to have so much education, and the church is dead. You look at the people, and the people in the in, out in the the uh, pews sleeping. Why? Because there's no spirit there. God has never called us to be sophisticated. I don't care how sophisticated we think we are. I don't think. I don't care what kind of a uh, degree we think we are. We are still ignorant when it comes to God because it's God that gives us the word and the understanding, not man. 
Because it even tells you in the book of Revelation that what? The, you, we need no man to teach us because of the fact that when we read the, God, the Word of God, when we study the Word of God, we get the Word in us, then the, the Spirit of God will bring back to our remembrance what He have taught us. And the only way we're going to get taught the right way in the Word of God, we got to get into the Word of God. Amen? And I can prove to you that God don't, did not require us to be smart or sophisticated. Let's go to Exodus, the fourth chapter. Exodus, the fourth chapter and the tenth verse. We have that on the board. I want to show y'all something. What is that? Exodus, the fourth chapter and the tenth verse. See that? Here we find a man by the name of Moses. Y'all know who Moses is. Moses was being uh, prepared to go back to Pharaoh to become the leader to lead God's people out. And even Moses made an excuse. What did Moses say? And Moses said unto the Lord, my Lord, oh my Lord, I am not, what? Eloquent. So if Moses is not eloquent, and God used Moses to do a mighty work, what make you think that we got to be so eloquent and so super? All you got to do is present yourself a holy living sacrifice and let God do the ruling. All right? You see that? He is not eloquent. And a lot of people, then he went on to tell God, God, I am slow in speech. And a lot of people made an ex- uh, come up with something. Said, well, you know, Moses used to stumble. Moses had this going on. Moses, I don't care what he had going on. He made an excuse because of the fact he was not eloquent in speech. All we have to do is say, God, here am I. I belong to you. You be glorified. And when you allow God to be glorified, God can use you. But no, I don't want God to use me. I want to use myself. This is why we have so many problems in the house of God. Because pastors get up before his people and because he is so, try to be so eloquent and because the people don't get into the word of God to read for themselves, they lead the people wrong and all of a sudden now, as time go on, they're looking at this man as he is some God. Mm. People, please, don't never, ever, ever do that to me. Don't come at me and try to make me look like I'm some God. Because I'm not. I don't want you doing anything for me that I can't do for myself. If it's raining outside... The only reason, I, the only time I want you to hold up an umbrella is over my head is I ain't had none. But guess what? I can hold up my own umbrella and walk through the rain. Okay? I can put my own Bible on the pulpit. I can give my own self a drink of water. I don't need you to call yourself being an armor, uh, uh, an armor bearer for me. Because first of all, that thing that they call armor bearer, according to the, God, the word of God, they're wrong anyway. Oh, I know, I know. I know. I'm just telling you 
the truth according to the word of God. Amen? Now listen to this. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you playing. Yes, but uh, Elder Smalls, the Bible says we're supposed to study. Yes, we're supposed to study. Study the word of God. Second Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto who? God, not man. Now, let me show you something. We say that we are studying, when we go to school, we are studying for God, right? But guess what? We didn't study like myself. I didn't go to school until my pastor said, you know what? I would like for you to go to school and get your degree. So when I went to school, I went to school and got my degree to satisfy him. But God never told me to go to school. He told me to study to show thyself approved what uh, to God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you don't get into the word of God and study the word of God for what it is and allow God to speak through you, man cannot give you, or they can give you an interpretation of the word, but is it right according to God? Because God told us, my thoughts is not your thoughts or no, nor my way your way. Right? So in order for us to be like God and do things the way that God wants us to do it, we have to allow God, we have to present ourselves to God so that God could direct us on how he wants stuff done. Mm. Okay? Let's go a little further. Isaiah. Isaiah 28, 9-13. Isaiah 28, 9 to 13. Amen? And it reads, watch this. When, okay, it says, whom shall he teach? What? What is he going to teach us? He's going to teach us knowledge. It says, he teach. Whom shall he teach? Alright? It's talking about what? God, the Spirit. Who shall he teach? Knowledge. And what? Whom shall he make to what? Understand doctrine. Them that are what? Weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. You've got to be weaned. Allow God to wean you. Allow God to teach you. Now, I'm not telling you. Listen to me. I'm not telling you. That you come in here one day and say, well, Elder Smalls preaches, I don't need nobody to do that. God still plays Pastor Manley in charge. Always respect them. Respect your leaders because when you respect your leaders, you're respecting God. Amen? But at the main time, you got to do your part by presenting yourself as a holy vessel to God. And when you present yourself as a holy vessel to God, the Spirit will deal with you on how to deal with them as the Spirit deal with them on how to deal with you. And the whole house collectively will be able to come together. Ah, I know. I know. Don't think that on me. Don't think that. That I'm trying to get you to go against our pastor because I'm not. 
Amen. I'm just telling you what we as body of Christ need to do to toward God. For here's how we're gonna learn. For we for precept must be upon precept, upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. In other words, we've got to get into the Word of God, study the Word of God. And when I say study, I'm talking about doing a research. People don't even know how to, to study the Bible, Pastor. When we study the Word, it's a different from reading the Word and studying the Word. I could get in the Bible and I could read something, close it, put it down, go my way. But when I study the Word, Line upon line, precept upon precept, I enter into a deep, deep research where I go from Romans to Matthew. From Matthew might take me to Revelation. Revelation might take me back to Genesis. And when I get it all together, now I understand exactly what God is trying to say to us. That's what it's saying. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Dig into the Word of God. Don't learn to be so shallow and say, well, you know, I read the Word of God and I'm satisfied with that. No, go deeper. Go deeper. Just don't be satisfied. Why should you be satisfied with the skin of the apple when you can dig into the apple and get the meat? Mmm. Get the lush, the, 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 the delicious part of the stuff. Huh? Oh boy, mm-mm-mm. With, for with stammering lips and other tongues will he what? Speak to his people. In other words, allow God to speak to you. And you know what I heard about a month or so ago? Somebody said they were doing this, this, uh, talk show on radio when we went, I went to the school to pick up my grandson and they were doing this talk show. And this guy gets on the radio talk about God don't speak to people. Well, let me tell you something. God do speak to you. Why you think I get up 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and when my wife gets up, say, honey, what you doing? I'm in the Bible. You know why? Because God done woke my spirit up to something. And if, the, and if Satan, if Satan could cause you to go into a dream, and cause you to wake up screaming and yelling with, uh, with devilish and foolish stuff. Why can't God talk to a spirit that he, that she created? Huh? God do talk to us. Ah. Oh. So he do speak to his people. Not only do he speak to his people in dreams and stuff, he speak to us, he's speaking to us now. He's speaking to us through his word. Well, you know, you nobody knows the mind of God. I do know the minds of God because I got 66 books of his mind. Mm. Because if it didn't come from him, then something wrong. Then we, if it didn't come from him, then we believe in a lie. And the Bible says that God is a God that cannot lie, will not lie. Will not lie, cannot lie. So I believe his word. Amen? So now, to whom he said, this is rest, wherewith ye may cause 
what the weary to rest have peace within what the knowledge of God. You're supposed to have peace within the knowledge of God. And this is what? The refreshing. Yet, they would what? They would not hear. There are people in this world, no matter what you say to them, they will not hear the word of God. But the Bible says when you tell them the word of God, if they don't hear you, the Bible says what? Wipe the dust off your feet and leave it as a testimony against them. Don't worry about it because somewhere down the line, they're going this, this spirit is going to wake up to, and, and you know what? Somebody just told me this thing here a week ago, a month ago, and it's going to come to pass and it's going to wake them up. So don't worry about people if they don't hear you. You just do what God said do. You just do what God has mandated you to do. Amen? God mandated us that we will serve him, love him, and obey him, and allow him to be glorified in our life. But the word of the Lord was unto them, what? Precept upon precept. See that? The word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, very little. In order for us, us to get it precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, here, there a little, we must get into the Word. Don't, don't close up your Bible today. And then when we leave here today, you don't pick up your Bible until next Sunday morning. You pick up the Bible and dust it off and bring it to church. No, no. You're killing your spirit when you do that. You're killing yourself when you do that. Always pick up the Word of God. You may not pick up the Word of God uh, uh, every day, but you should pick it up sometime during that week. Oh, man. Mm, mm, mm. This is good. This is good. I don't know about y'all, but it's good to me. Amen. All right? Here below, here is that. They might go and fall backward and what? Be broken and snared and taken. Now, let me show you that fall backward. Let me show you what we're talking about, fall backward. It's not talking about fall backwards and killing themselves. What it is saying that they are going toward uh, uh, the world. Now, God is talking to his people. His people is following the world, right? When it says that they should fall backwards, when they get to a certain point, somewhere in their life, the word of God should hit them, and they should be backing up, going back to God. All right? They should be going back to God. And when they go back to God, then they will be what? Shaken and snared. They will be taken. They will be taken back to God. That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about falling backwards and killing themselves. But you will back up and go back toward God from which you came. Alright? Oh. Mm-mm-mm. Psalm, 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 Psalm. And I'm all, I'll be down here in a few minutes, y'all. Psalms 51, 17. Psalms 51, 17. Amen? Psalms 51, 17. It says, in Psalm 51, 17, 
Here we go again. Presentation. Make it a presentation. This is the presentation that God desires from us. Okay? Well, what did God really desire from us? God desired from us the sacrifice. Okay, and what is a sacrifice? When, when we make a sacrifice, what are we doing? We are putting aside something that we claim or something that seems so dear to us that we dare not put that thing off for nothing or nobody. When you make a sacrifice, just like how we make sacrifice for our children, we know we need uh, 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 this hundred dollars to take us through the week for gas to go back and forth to work. But because of your love for that child, you should know what? I'm going to make a sacrifice and I'm going to spend this hundred dollars for this child. That's a sacrifice. So here we, uh, God wants us to sacrifice ourselves. Put our, put, put, put stuff on the back burner. Put ourselves on the back burner for Him. Because of the fact, when we look at our life, it's not about us anyway. It's about Him. It's about God being glorified and being uh, uh, holy or becoming alive in our life. The sacrifices of God are a what? Broken spirit. When the last time one of any of us had a broken spirit? When the last time any of us had a broken spirit so bad until all we could do is fail before God and cry out to God? Mm. A broken spirit, a broken and conquered heart. Okay? Now, let me show you something about that heart. Because of the fact, I don't know why, it seems like every time we talk about a heart in the Bible, the first thing people do, beat on your chest. That thing in your chest ain't nothing but a pump that pumps the blood back and forth through your body. When it talks about the heart of a man, the heart of a man is his mind. Spiritual. Because you're going to find out after a while what I'm talking about. Because I mentioned mind earlier. When I said holiness is a state of mind and not dress. Remember? So it's a broken heart. A mind. Your mindset got to be Broken to the place where you desire more than what's just around you. You desire more from a higher power than you. You desire more than, than, than uh, a heart, more than just uh, uh, what you are seeing or what you are conforming yourself to, your surrounding. You need more than just your surrounding. You are, in, you are searching for more. Broken and conquered heart. Alright? Oh God, thou wilt not despise. God will not despise. When you come to God broken, broken spirit, conquered and broken heart, God will not turn you away. 
But when you think, when you come to God like you so big and bold and you so bad and you better than God, God said, you are, He'll turn you over to a reprobate mind. Let you go ahead on and think that you is what you is. And sooner or later, when you fall on your face, you'll come back to Him. Mmm. Yes, sir. Your mind must be what? Transformed. Your mind must be transformed from worldly to spiritual. I just told you that. It's a mind thing. Because guess what? Whatever your mind does, your body going to have to follow. That's why God said whatsoever is in the heart of a man, so is he. Whatever is in your mind, if you dwell on the things in your mind long enough, guess what's going to happen to the body? The body is going to act it out. Huh? If you thinking about cursing out somebody long enough because you so hit them, one is there, when you see that individual, Guess what your tongue going to do? And your tongue is a part of the body, right? Because you was thinking about, about, that, about lashing that person out, your tongue going to give that person a good lashing. Why? Because you was thinking about it. Mmm. Yes. So, it must be uh, transformed from worldly to spiritual. Don't conform. Don't conform yourself or don't allow yourself to be conformed or doing the things that the people around you do. I often tell my children, be careful of your surroundings because you can't do everything other people do. Some people could do something and they get away with it. So you do it and it may very well kill you. And when I told them that, it put me in mind of some years ago. Had some kids in, in Charleston, my home. They was over there on Ashley River Bridge. Swimming. Now, big old sign said, no swimming, electrical wiring is under the water. They're going to jump over to see who's going to make it back. The first guy made it back. Second guy made it back. The last little guy that went over, he made it back. But guess what? He made it back dead. You cannot do everything you see other people do. Be very careful of that. Well, I just, I just like that. I see them do that and it, and it look good on them. What look good on them may make you look like a witch. Don't follow everybody. I, I I remember some years ago, my son, his girlfriend, it was his birthday, his girlfriend said, I'm going to put an earring in his ears. I said, no, you ain't. And I told my son, I said, Corey, you want to be like somebody? Follow me. I said, when I do it, then you can do it. When I wear earring, you wear earring. When I allow myself to go out without a belt in my pants, then you could do it. Although I failed the next day. I went to work and all of a sudden I felt so loose. And when I checked myself, 
I ain't had no belt in my pants. I felt so bad. Because I just told my son about putting the belt on. And I didn't have a belt in my And I felt horrible all day long. Because you cannot be a leader and do one thing and expect something different from, from the people that's following you. I know you're quiet. You, Y'all don't have to be quiet, y'all. Y'all can talk to me. All right? You can talk to me. So you should not be able, you should not even want or desire to live the lifestyle of a sinner, of those that are surround you. If you want to, if you desire to go back into the world, why you came to God in the first place? You should have just stayed out there. Because sooner or later, that sinner that you hang around with, they're going to embarrass you. They're going to tell you, you don't belong here. You don't belong with us. And guess what's going to happen? They're going to tell you right in the crowd of the people. Because it happened to me. I had first-hand experience listening to the older folks. Well, y'all are young and, you know, have y'all fun. I went in the club. God looked at me and said, oh, you don't belong in here. You a Christian. You ain't got no business in this club. And guess what? I left that club and ain't never been back. They will embarrass you. And those were the same people that I used to hang with. So be careful of how you desire to live the lifestyle of a sinner or those that are wrong you. For I say, thou the what? Through the grace given unto me. Here, 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 here is the. The third verse, and I'm about done. Here's that third verse. For I say unto, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more, what? More highly than what? More highly than he ought to. But be what? But think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Y'all know what that scripture is telling you? We are Christians, right? We are supposed to be loving. We are not supposed to think that we are so high and mighty because of the fact that because we are saved and think that we are so much better than others. I used to be so hurt. Being a young man in God, when I came to find out there were pastors and other ministers, got into their little inner circle, them boys did not even want me in their company because they figured that you were high enough to even be wrong us. So we ought not be like that because the same God that saved you is the same God that saved me. So I need to think soberly of my brothers and sisters. I'm no better than you. The same way the devil attacks you, the devil attacks... As a matter of fact, when you are a minister or you are a part of the, the inner circle that's carrying this gospel, the devil fights you more. You know why? Because the devil don't want you to carry the word of God. So you have to be think, thinking soberly and thinking, I'm no better than that person. Stop looking at people all cross-eyed and stuff. Because you are no better. 
It might be their day to day. And you might talk about them and talk them down. But I guarantee you, tomorrow is going to come for you. And when I say tomorrow, I'm not talking about the next day. It might be years down the road. Something going to happen in your life and it's going to bring back to your remembrance that day. So stop looking at people all across us. Because why? We are all members of one body. We are all members of Christ. Right? So we are no better than the other. And remember what I said. I ask of you, please, I beg you, from this day forward, give God all of you. Please. Don't be ashamed to praise God. Because he has mandated us, whenever we come in his presence, that we present ourselves as holy vessels ready to be used. So please, give all of you to God. Don't be ashamed to praise God because of, uh, of somebody else. Don't be ashamed to lift your hands or to sing out to God or to cry out to God because somebody's looking at you. Maybe that individual is looking at you to see what you can do, see what you are doing so that they could be saved. You never know. Because the world is watching you. They're watching me. That's how people come to God, through us. That's how God uses us. God mandates for us is that we present ourselves holy and acceptable unto God. Be ye transformed by the renewing of our what? Mind. Don't be conformed to the things of this world. Let them dance. Let them hoof whatever they want to do. You know why? Because the world is on their way to hell in a handbasket. Now, do you want to be a part of that? Especially when Revelation tells us how hell is, is or is going to be. You're going to burn them, be burning with snatching of the teeth. Ain't going to be no uh, uh, comfort, no, no anything. Nothing but fire. It's hard enough here on this earth. I guarantee you within the next month, when it gets up to 90 and, and 100 and something degrees, we're going to be sweating. But, oh, Lord, it's too hot. But you think about hell being trillions of times harder than that. And you want to follow the after the world? Transform your mind. Get into the word of God. And let God renew you. So after this day, we, would, we should have a desire to make a renewed commitment to God. And once you make that commitment, I beg of you, please keep it. Because it's a vow to a marriage. And I'm not talking about no... Uh, 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 humanistical marriage. I'm talking to about a spiritual ma- marriage. Make a vow to God and keep it. Amen? Let's give God a hand, please.